Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. What, he, what he's asking for is just total surrender to him. And, and it's not about how good you are. It's not about if you follow the laws. Now, the laws are meant for good. We don't need to throw the law away. The law serves a purpose, right? I mean, we society needs the basics of the law. It just does. The law was given for a reason. And we're going to see that at the end. But if you think that by trying to keep the law is going to make you right in God's sight, it's just not. In today's message, Pastor James will remind you that there is a purpose behind the laws given to us throughout the Bible. The laws of the Bible were given out of God's great love for us as His children. Imagine that you have a child. Do you let them do whatever they want? No. You'd have boundaries set up to help them not hurt themselves from things that they don't know can hurt them. The same is true of our Heavenly Father. He knows what can hurt us, so He's created boundaries to keep us safe. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Galatians chapter 3 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Verse one, oh foolish Galatians. What a great, what a great little, uh, little segue. He's chapter one, not even really an intro, kind of like, what are you guys doing? Chapter two, he's going after the, uh, the guys who are leading them astray. And then chapter three, he's like, you, you fools, you know, and it's not being mean. He's just, he's reminding them. He's like, look, you got, you've, you've lost your minds. You've lost your minds. That's what, that's what he's saying here. Oh foolish Galatians. Who has cast an evil spell on you? Or who has bewitched you, right? Um, who has led you astray? He says, for the meaning of Christ, uh, Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you as if it had been, as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. So essentially what he's saying there is this. He's like, he's like hold on, help me understand this. Um, I was there and I so clearly communicated Jesus and his sacrifice to you. Essentially, what he's saying is like, it's as if I went around town putting up billboards of the crucifixion of Jesus. Verse two, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? No, you don't, you can't receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law. That's not even part of the deal. It says, did you receive the, did you receive by obeying the law? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Verse three, how foolish can you be? He's, it, Again, it seems like he's coming across pretty strong. And yeah, maybe he is. But maybe they deserve that. Maybe they need that. We, we live in a very, this is, I mean, in, in many ways now, a very sanitized world, okay? Both our hands and everything. But even our feelings. So basically, these guys were experiencing suffering because of the message of the gospel. And so Paul's like, listen, is do you guys just like suffering for like no reason? He's like, I don't, I don't get it. You're, you're suffering for the, for the gospel. And now you've turned your back on the gospel. And he's like, it just doesn't, logically, it doesn't make sense. He's like, you started off in the spirit, but now you're trying to like be perfect by, by what? Your own actions? 
was like, it doesn't make sense. It does, it's not logical. Paul's a very logical guy. You can tell that. You read any of his letters, you understand that. Uh, and he's one of those, he's just one of those guys who, who has this ability to think critically. Critical thinking. It's a, it's a long lost art in our world today. Okay. It just is critical thinking. Paul's like, um, he's like, I'm doing the math here and it doesn't add up. You get, you receive the gospel message and it was clear as day. But these other guys come in and they so quickly lead you astray. And, and a lot of that, the wording there he uses concerning these guys, um, this who's bewitched you. Um, the other type of, of phrasing you can use with that is who has hypnotized you, right? Who's what snake has slithered in? And just like a snake will, will hit, can hypnotize their prey, so to speak. I don't know if you guys have ever seen The Jungle Book, one of my favorite. I don't, I don't know about the real, mo the live action movie. Um, I know the cartoon. Um, I fell asleep in the live action one, so that tells you that. But uh, I love the cartoon growing up. There's a bad guy. He's a snake. I think he's Ka is his name. Um, but he's got these weird eyes, and he like hypnotizes his prey. And that's really kind of what Paul is talking about here. He's not talking about the Jungle Book. Okay, you get that. But I am, and I'm saying these guys have slithered, these snakes have slithered in, and they're hypnotizing these guys so that they may lead them astray. He's like, you, you've been deceived. You guys, are, you guys are being foolish. One Bible commentator, Phillips, said, he, he translated it a little bit different. He's like, oh, you, you dear idiots. He's like, you got, yeah, you, what, what's happened to your brains? What's happened? No, you don't. Don't turn your back on the gospel. Don't turn your back on the grace of God. Don't turn your back on Jesus. And that's kind of what they've done. Now, one thing I do want you to note as we go through this, this whole chapter Paul never stops referring to these guys as brothers, okay? I think that's key um, because I think as believers, can you be led astray? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Does it mean you have lost your salvation? No, no. Does it mean you've turned your back on the grace of God? Yeah, and what a miserable life to live. What a horrible life to live. The saddest thing in this world, I mean, people dying without knowing Jesus is, is the ultimate sad thing. So Paul's going on. Listen, keep your, basically, the, we could even summarize this whole chapter with this. Um, just keep your eyes on Jesus. There you go, right? So he's walking them through this process. Again, these guys are suffering because of the gospel that they have they've believed, the faith that they place in Jesus, and now they're turning their backs on that. They're going to the law. To the same guys who are persecuting them, they've, like, joined sides with them. Again, illogical. Doesn't make sense. Does not make any sense at all. He goes, he goes on to say, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. It's because you believe the gospel. Do not think that good things are happening in your life simply because you're being a good person. That's not how it works. That is not how it works. There's no such thing as Christian karma, okay? It, do, it doesn't exist. And if you think like, well, if I'm being good, then God's happy with me. You could be perceived as being good and God could be displeased with you because maybe you're so in love with how good you're being. And now you begin to bow down at that altar of yourself and how good and religious you are. And God's like, ah, no, I'm not. That's not what I'm asking for. What, he, what he's asking for is just total surrender to him. And, and it's not about how good you are. It's not about if you follow the laws. Now, the laws are meant for good. Um, we don't need to throw the law away. The law serves a purpose, right? I mean, we, society needs the basics of the law. It just does. The law was given for a reason. And we're going to see that at the end. 
But if you think that by trying to keep the law is going to make you right in God's sight, it's just not. You're, you're fighting a losing battle, and you're going to get frustrated. So he goes on to say, verse 6, says, In the same way, Abraham believed God and counted him as righteous because of his faith. Okay, so we need to understand that Abraham existed 400 and some odd years before the law. Before the law, okay? So Abraham believed God and God counted God as him as righteous because of his faith. So the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said all nations, all means all, nations means all nations beyond Israel. He says all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith, okay? So Paul's just, he's throwing it down to these Gentiles. He's, he's reminding them. He's like, look, you've got these Jewish men who are coming in saying, no, no, we're part of the chosen nation. Israel is a chosen nation, for sure. There's no denying that. But they're like, unless you become like us, then God's not pleased with you. And Paul comes alongside and says, he's like, no, no, no. He's like, that's not true. That's not true because God has already worked out this plan long before the Jews even existed in the sense of a nation and before the law was even thought about, so to speak. God was dealing with, with individuals on a faith basis and with Abraham as he selected Abraham to be the father of this nation, the uh, Jewish nation. God had already worked it out with him and it was all based upon faith. It was all based upon faith. So he, he's just presenting a logical argument to these guys. And he's like, look, let's just think about this practically. Let's go back to the beginning. Here's Abraham. Abraham was counted as righteous because he just believed in what God said. He just believed God. That's, what, that's where he got his righteousness from. He wasn't circumcised yet. That hadn't happened in Abraham and his family's life yet. So that didn't matter. He wasn't offering, you know, it wasn't about like his dietary, none of that stuff. It was simply God showed up in his life spoke to Abraham and said, hey, follow me. And Abraham said, cool, let's go. And so Abraham followed God. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And, and I, would, I would throw out there to, to all of us as a reminder, because even Christians tend to put a lot of loopholes out there, so to speak, for people, non-believers to have to jump through in order to get saved. And it's like, well, you have to pray this prayer. That's not true. That's not true. And we're like, what, what? No, well, wait a minute. Where... It's, it's just a life surrender to Jesus, right? It's a believing in his sacrificial death on the cross. It's a surrender to Jesus. That's salvation. That's salvation. So if somebody says a prayer, sweet. That prayer should simply be, Jesus, I surrender to you. I'm going to follow you. You're telling me to follow you? Then I surrender. I believe you died on the cross for me? Let's go. That's it. That's it. That's all. And there are prayers that have been put in place that help lead and direct people into an understanding but I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there because sometimes we tend to go a little bit legalistic in our own world as Christians. And we're like, no, no, you have to pray this prayer verbatim just like this. And it's like, that's not technically true. It's not. It's not. And if that were the case, then I'm not saved. Because I never prayed that prayer, the Romans wrote, beautiful prayer, beautiful, logical thing to walk people through. But it does, that, what saves people is their faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. So as I'm all by myself in my little apartment in Colorado in the mountains, 
and Jesus shows up in my room, basically, physically almost could have showed up in my room, and the presence was that strong. And he said, hey, what are you doing? You need to knock it off. You need to follow me. And I said, you know what? You die for me, I will follow you wherever you want me to go. That was it. I'm on his team. He's the king of my heart. He's the Lord of my life. And I, that's over 20 years ago. And I'm following him ever since. I didn't, I didn't pray. I didn't do anything. And what, what came natural, or I should say supernatural to me the next moment was, man, I need to get baptized. I just, I need to get baptized. I didn't even know what baptism was. I've seen people do it. I didn't know why they did it. But I knew, like, I needed to make sure, I need to let people know that I'm following Jesus. And that's what I did. So let's be cautious before we're putting out all these, because the Jews were doing the same thing. You're not right with God unless you do this, this, and this. And sometimes the church can come alongside and say, you're not right with God unless you do this, this, and this. If it's not, if it doesn't state, state that in the Bible, then please spare people from, your, from our own legalism, because it's out there, okay? Just point people to Jesus, Jesus, talk about how beautiful he is. Talk about how amazing he is. Talk about how great the fact that he died on the cross for mankind, all of mankind, and how simple it is just to surrender to him and to follow him. I got caught up, I, and it's, again, my tendency is, is a works-oriented mentality. I mean, that's just, oh, I've always been that way, and I don't know why, but I've always been that way, and I, I get caught up in that mindset, too, of like, well, if I'm not performing, if I'm not doing this, if I didn't do my morning devos, then, man, I'm... I don't think God's mad at me, but man, he surely is not pleased with me, right? And all this stuff. And it's like, no, 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 stop that. It's relationship. It's relationship. You wake up in the morning or you stay up at night to do your devos because you want to spend time with Jesus, because he's your savior. It's that simple. It's, it's that beautiful. That's it, right? You go and serve the Lord because, well, because he's your savior. And you're not worried about the scorecard. You're not worried about like, well, if I don't, do these things, then no, 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 no. Jesus, man, you told me to follow you, so I'm going to follow you. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? You're going to have to give me the words because I don't always have the words. And it's just a simple relationship thing. And that's what Paul's driving home with these guys. He's like, look, it's not about the exterior things. It's not about the circumcision. It's not about the dietary stuff. It's not about that stuff. It's about simply a relationship with Jesus, pure and simple. That's it. You follow him because you love him. That's it. And you'll continue to follow him if it is based on love because that works thing, it'll burn you out faster than anything else. Because you're, you're trying to keep score and Jesus is up in heaven thinking like, I'm not keeping score. I'm not, in the, but here's the, here's the lie of the enemy. Satan, if he can't steal your salvation, which he can't, if he can't stop you from going to heaven, he will work to make your life a living hell here on earth by, by place, placing that thing of works on you. His goal is to make you the most miserable Christian on this planet, which equals an ineffective Christian. Miserable Christians equal ineffective Christians, and they're bad witnesses. And that's his goal. That's the enemy's goal, because he can't, he, he can't he's, he's lost you. You once were on his team, but he's lost you to the other side. So his whole purpose and goal within your life is to make you absolutely miserable the whole way until you get to heaven. Your goal is to wake up every morning and say, you know what, Jesus? I have so much to be thankful for. I have so much to be grateful for. Yeah, there's a virus. Um, it's, it, it's a real thing. Uh, people are really getting sick. 
people are losing jobs, all that stuff. But you know what, Jesus? You're still king of kings, lord of lords. You're still on the throne, and I'm going to follow you. I have so much to be joyful about. That's your goal as a believer. Each and every morning, you wake up, and you can carry about your joy within your heart, regardless of circumstances. It is possible. So he's going on. He's moving on through this thing. Um, He goes on to say, verse 10, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe uh, and obey all, the key word there is all, the commands that are written in God's book of the law. Well, good luck on that, okay? If you want to live your life based on the law, good luck. There's like 600 and some odd laws. So, you know, make a really good list, hang it on your entire refrigerator door because it's going to take up that much space, I'm sure. And each and every morning and each and every moment of each and every day, revisit that thing to make sure you're not breaking one of those things. Because if you break one, deal's off. The deal's off. We can even just just do the Ten Commandments. Even if you just break one of those, done. You're done. It's, It's over. And now you think back and you're like, well, I've been on this planet. I have been on this planet for 41 years. And it's like, man, if I'm only concerned about that right now, there was a lot of years where I was not concerned about keeping the law, and I broke a lot of those things. So I was disqualified long ago. In fact, you're born into this, into this planet. You're already disqualified. You're a sinner. It's only a matter of time before you break one of the laws. What Paul is saying here is like, look, if you want to live by that, well, that's fine. Um, the reality is, if you break one, you've lost. Game over. So you can keep doing that. You're only going to get frustrated. You're only going to get frustrated. It, it's, and especially as a believer, it just you're going to burn out. You will burn out. You, you can't make it by trying to live up to the law and its standards. So he goes on to say, Curses everyone who doesn't obey all the laws that are written in God's book of the law. Verse 11, so it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. It's clear. It's crystal clear. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Okay? It's through faith. You want life. You want life abundantly. That is only accomplished through your faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Is the law, then, you know, the the question that's going to come up is like, well, then what's the point of the law? Then why do we even have this thing? He'll answer that in a second. But it's clear that the only way, the only way as far as life, and we're talking about eternal life here, it's through faith in Jesus. For the scriptures say it's through faith that a righteous person has life. This This way of faith is very different from the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life, which we know is it's just impossible. You can't do it. And even those who think they are doing it, they're not doing it. And we have the whole Old Testament. Read it. If it were possible, if it were at all possible, why was the sacrificial system established? Why did so many animals have to be slaughtered if keeping the law was actually possible? See, it was even built into the system itself. God was already communicating to these guys, like, "Look, you can't do this on your own. You can't." And there are not enough animals on this planet to cover the sins of mankind. There's not. So he already had a plan, and he talked about it long before the law was even, was even uh, published, so to speak. Verse 13, but Christ has rescued us. Praise God for that. Christ has rescued us. This is that, this is that, that reconciliation mission that Jesus is on. Your only hope is Jesus. Your only hope is him as your rescuer. That's it. 
He's rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Cursed is everyone who dies on a tree, right? We're going to see that. He says, curses as the scriptures, uh, it's written in the scriptures, curses everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Through faith, okay? So that, that's, that's the, the blessing here. It's not about through performance and the moment you surrender your life to Jesus, the moment you, you wave that white flag, so to speak, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you, okay? He is the one who indwells you, right? So you have the Holy Spirit. That's, that's part of this faith in Jesus. The third person of the, this holy trinity that we believe in, God the Father, God the Son, it's Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit takes up residency or occupancy within you're within you, okay? But that only happens through faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen through your, your performance or anything like that, okay? So just so we're clear on that. Um, there are other elements to, you know, the Holy Spirit within our lives and in and upon and, and all that type of stuff. We can cover that at another time. But just the basics, the essential of like the Holy Spirit in us happens through our faith in Jesus Christ, we can also say the Holy Spirit upon us, uh, that's, that's from Jesus too, okay? That's, that's from Jesus as well, all right? He's the one who, who can pour out in abundance the Holy Spirit upon you, right? We saw that in the beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 2. So he goes on to say, dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life, right? He says, just as no one can, can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement or a covenant, uh, so it is in the case, in this case. God gave the promise to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children, but it says to his child. Well, which child is that? Well, it's, it's, we know. Um, now there's debate on that. Is it Ishmael? No, it's not Ishmael. Um, it's not Ishmael. It was, it was his son Isaac, okay? So it was to Abraham, to Isaac, and it says, and notice, it doesn't, not to his children, but to his child, as if it meant many descendants, okay? Rather, it says, to his child, and that, of course, means, overall, Jesus. The heir who would come, in a sense. The seed who would come later on, okay? So, yeah, he, the promise was carried on through, from Abraham to Isaac and all that stuff, but ultimately, you go back into that story, you'll see that the promise really was pointing, always pointing to the seed, which would be Jesus. It was always pointing to Jesus. By way of this guy and that guy, all that stuff, but it, it, it ends at Jesus. It stops at Jesus. That was, you can even go back into Genesis chapter 3. It was already hinted there, okay? He goes on to say, um, verse 17, this is what I'm saying or trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses, okay? God would be breaking his promise, for if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be uh, the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. So it's not like this promise was to uh, kind of just be in effect until the law came. And then once that came, then it just done away. It did away with the promise. That's not how it works. God's promise still remained. Here's the question. Verse 19. So then why do we even have the law? Hopeless, hopeless, red for the 
that's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James has more to share from this study in the book of Galatians, so be sure to join him next time. Just because our time with you is over for today, though, it doesn't mean that you have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage you to pick up your own Bible and dive in wherever God leads you. Each page you read will be life-giving and reveal new things about your Creator. If you ever have any questions or would like to request prayer, please connect with us. You can visit breadforthebroken.com and click on Contact. We have a form there that you can fill out and submit, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. We love hearing from our listeners. Are you in the Galveston area? If so, come join us to worship and study the Bible. Calvary Galveston meets each Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And you can get all the information you need at breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the About tab. If you aren't in the area or you're just not able to be with us in person during this season, that's okay. We're streaming live on Facebook. Just search for Calvary Galveston, or you can head to our church webpage to connect. Before we officially close our time with you today, we'd like to invite you to be a part of what we're doing. Would you prayerfully consider supporting the ministry of Bread for the Broken financially? All amounts given are appreciated, and you can donate securely through our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for supporting us, and thanks for tuning in to Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, who I love, man, and give me.